the threat from bushfires is another reminder that so much of the world is beyond our control. The weather, the environment are affected by humans, but they're not solely controlled by humans. They have their own laws, what we call niyamas, utu niyama, tamma niyama, jitta niyama, karma niyama, bija niyama. These are laws that just exist, that govern forces of nature. Our instructions that we receive from the local government and the fire department are very much in line with Buddhist teachings. Be vigilant. You have to be vigilant because of changing conditions. Wind can change direction. It can become stronger and blow the fire in one direction. So today they uh, have a fire up at beyond Reefton that they lost control of because the wind blew the fire across what they call containment lines. So now it's threatening the village there. For us as monks, studying the Buddhist path, practicing we also have containment lines. Our first line of containment is our sila, the patimoka, the reflection on the use of requisites, and indriya samwara, sense restraint. The fires for us are <coughs> the fires of greed, anger, delusion. fueled from ignorance, not knowing the truth. And they in turn fuel clinging, attachment, and the sense of self arises. And this is where our suffering comes from as human beings. This is what binds us to samsara, the cycle of birth and death. So we need our sila to restrain <coughs> the worst excesses of greed, anger and delusion. We need to practice restraint, composure, mindfulness. We have to practice patience, endurance and Sacrifice. You have to know how to give up. On on that level, the level of sila involves giving up some of our sense of self. When you're annoyed with something or someone, and you want to let it out, 
That's the coarsest sense of self that might lead you to say or do something harmful. But when you're practicing sense restraint, you're aware enough that even though you're tempted or provoked by a situation, you bring up self-control. You know the unpleasantness of whatever it is that's annoyed you, but you don't let your mood flow out into your speech or your actions. You actually have to sacrifice or let go of some self to do that. <coughs> the practice of self-sacrifice is and uh, giving up, giving up of attachment, giving up of desire, giving up of the sense of self, lies at the heart of our practice. In the way we gain our requisites, our livelihood, bindabata, rope cloth, simple accommodation, simple medicines, you were giving up desires. You have to learn how to be content with what we can find as alms mendicants. This requires sense restraint. Sometimes we might see things that we think might be useful for us. We hear about them. Maybe there's no offer or they're not made available to us as monks. So we have to practice restraint. Just accept that and let go of that sense of self that wants a particular item. So already the practice of sila, sense restraint, requires letting go of self. That flavor of practice, the practice of letting go of self, self-sacrifice, flows throughout every level of our Dhamma practice. Last week we had a session, a working bee, cleaning up the monastery. You notice how, say, the kitchen or some other building, normally we keep it clean every day. But still it's possible in corners and behind furniture and different places things get neglected. So over time, dirt builds up. And you need a special day of spring cleaning or a working bee where you move things out and do a more thorough job than normal. And you realize hmm, there's still dirt accumulated that normally gets missed. And the practice of the Dhamma is a bit like that. We're forever accumulating more views, more experiences in the world mentally. And as we meditate, develop mindfulness and reflect on our mental activity, we're starting to peel away some of the layers and go deeper and might find 
different aspects of the sense of self that we didn't realize were there. Some of them not so pleasant, not so beautiful. But we learn from that. You know, practice is not all about experiencing blissful states and the joys of practicing the Dhamma, keeping the sila, helping people, meditating. We also are involved in this process of exploring the mind and seeing where different kinds of desires and attachments are almost like hiding because of delusion. But we can take some, find some happiness in doing that, even uncovering bad habits, bad mental habits, or different parts of ourself that we don't like to look at. Once you understand the process and see that it's actually a process of liberating yourself from the causes of suffering, you can enjoy it, even noticing anger or delusion or greed coming up. If you're treating it with mindfulness and wisdom, you know you're treating it in the correct way, then you're actually cleaning out your mind and the sense of self is reducing. And this is our biggest cause of suffering, attachment to the idea of self. famous saying when Mukharaja was asking how to practice and was told to view the world as empty. He was also told to be mindful and vigilant and to abandon thoughts of self and view the world as empty. This is what we're doing every day, as we bring up mindfulness, we restrain the worst excesses of self through our sila, and we bring up mindfulness and we can investigate inside through the practice of meditation. A lot of that involves questioning your experience, investigating questioning, just as when we chant the Andatalakana Sutta. Ask yourself, you know, this body that you identify with as self, is that an appropriate way of viewing it? Is it really something you own, that you have? Is it really a self? Does it stand alone? We have to ask that question all the time because our basic view is that this body is something we own, Sakaya Ditti, we own the body, we are the body. <coughs> so the Buddha encouraged us to investigate that. Every day you experience heat, cold, hunger, aches and pains, aging, Sometimes we get sick, sometimes get injured. 
this is giving you the information that you need to ask those questions and draw conclusions based on wisdom through investigation. And you're constantly challenging the basic assumption that this body is self. You need to keep establishing mindfulness and then direct your attention to the body to ask these questions and to look, look closely. This is what brought the Buddha out of his comfortable life into the forest, finding the answer to this question of birth, aging, sickness and death, and how to transcend it. This is how he encouraged us to practice as bhikkhus, ask these questions. Is this body permanent or impermanent? If it's impermanent, is that suffering or happiness? If it's impermanent, it's suffering, can it be rightly seen as a self? Or is it non-self? If this body was a self, you could control it, stop it getting sick, feeling hungry, getting tired. could stop aging, could stop death, but you can't. So every time you establish mindfulness and investigate this, you're abandoning thoughts of self. You're coming to realize that the body is just the body. Seeing the body in the body, seeing the way it is. And analyzing, investigating like this, you're seeing that the sense of self is really something additional, extra that we add on to this body. And as we investigate more closely and the mind is peaceful, mindful and watching closely, the sense of self starts to seem superfluous, not necessary. We're looking more at the body as a sankhara, a compounded thing. It's made up of the 32 parts, the four elements. It's made up of different factors, but none of them stand alone as something that you can say is a self. They're all impermanent, unsatisfactory, and ultimately beyond our control. This body depends on <coughs> various factors to come into existence. You need the parents, you need the egg and you need sperm to fertilize it and you need consciousness. The consciousness has to be affected by karma. The whole range of factors that give rise to birth of an individual. But in all those different factors there's no self. This is what we're investigating. Becoming more and more clear than we realize that this body is more, we say, like a process of nature. As long as there's an, the supporting factors, the food, the drink, the right environment, the right conditions, then the body survives. <clears throat> but even then it's aging. 
beyond our control. If you keep, keep investigating like this, a sense of self identity based on this body starts to change. The view of the body as self, the kayaditi, changes. When we say, say the, the stream winner abandons the kayaditi, the way they view the body, understand the body changes. The way they view the world from this point, body changes. It's not just a belief, but it's this way of viewing experience as a self all the time. It's more like exposing the belief in self, the view of self is almost like a superstition. We just assume that's the way things are. There's me, this body is mine, and I go about my business. <coughs> but now, as because we're developing mindfulness and investigating, questioning that assumption, we begin to expose the truth see, oh, this is actually not what I thought. This body is like a natural process going on whether I'm involved in it or not, whether there's a self or not. If you keep developing mindfulness so that the mind is calm and clear and still, then these kind of truths are exposed to you, revealed to you. And we start to break through delusions that we've just taken for granted and followed along with for so long. So much of our practice is learning how to deal with the deluded mind and how it comes out in the form of greed and anger and attachment. <clears throat> Learning to train ourselves to investigate and analyze what's going on and see how if we don't investigate, we don't question things, the sense of self will just carry on us as it has done all along. We'll attach to the body as self, identify with it as a self, and relate to the world from the point of view of a self. So when you've got yourself, then you have other people's selves. So you have me and you, us and them. We have the sense of fear, of danger, like you have a bushfire come, there's a danger, this self needs to flee that danger. We have a self that wants to be happy, experience pleasure. Self that doesn't want any kind of painful experiences. On and on it goes. We have to learn how to investigate this. Analyze more deeply. Look at the feelings. You know, feelings, again, where a sense of self arises. My feelings, my pleasure, my pain. I don't want any more pain. I want more pleasure. 
just sitting meditation here, after a while, pain comes up. If you're not mindful, you'll just react to it straight away by moving, getting up. So train yourself not just to do that, but to stop and see how the sense of self forms around that painful feeling before you move. Just look at what is going on in your mind, the process. <coughs> you have pleasure for a while, sitting comfortably, and then gradually pain arises. See how they condition the mind and condition the sense of self-identity. Or through your day, watch how pleasure and pain are coming up, and you're reacting with sense of self to them. All aspects of the five kendas are provide us with food for investigation. Feelings, perceptions, thoughts, sense consciousness. If we don't investigate, we don't contemplate, then of course we just go along with the assumed reality that this is me, this is a self, me, you, us, them. <coughs> and this keeps conditioning stress and suffering for us. When we practice mindfulness and come to grips with some of the hindrances and the mind becomes more calm, peaceful. You really appreciate at that moment you're peaceful is because the sense of self had disappeared. Normally the sense of self is something we protect, we encourage in our culture, in our thinking. We don't want to let go of the sense of self because it's what our, seems to give meaning to our life, you know, who we are, who we want to be. But when you practice mindfulness and develop states of stillness and then you look closely, it's actually a relief to let go of the sense of self. Your mind is coming in line with the truth and it will quite naturally realize that you don't need to add on this sense of self to experience. In the end, we're developing mindfulness to the point where we see or we are aware of objects, we call dhammas, dhammas with a small d, as just objects, and the mind that knows them is just the mind that knows with awareness. And the sense of self doesn't need to be involved in that. And knowing a feeling is just a feeling. Knowing the body is the body. Knowing the thought arising, passing away. When mindfulness is continuous and we're wisely reflecting, training in wise reflection on our experience, it's just the mind and an object and there's no sense of self. And that's the highest peace. It's what we mean by saying, seeing emptiness, the emptiness of the world, whether it's the internal world of the body and the mind, or the external world of 
other people and things around us who are seeing things just as they are phenomena that arise, pass away break up, pass away the only way we can free ourselves from suffering is through practicing this and experiencing it for ourselves through the practice <coughs> we can all intellectually understand it more or less but that will forever just remain superficial knowledge and we have to turn our attention inwards to this body, to this mind see this is the, the reality of things there is no self that stands alone in these five candors, these five aggregates that we call a self. And they're all compounded things, the body, feelings, perceptions, they arise according to causes and conditions, they pass away. This knowledge is liberating brings true peace, true quietness to the mind. Where there is a self, it's not quiet. Since the sense of self arises, it brings with it attachment, clinging, confusion. It brings with it loves and hates, hopes and fears. You keep having to chase after this illusion of self, protect it, build it up, make it happy, but it's never happy because it's not real in the first place. It's the teaching on the letting go of self and experience of emptiness that sets the Buddhist teachings apart from all other religions and sects. And nobody else has taught this. But it's such a liberating teaching that we should all try to experience it. So I'll leave you with these thoughts for your practice tonight. We can carry on meditating together. <coughs>